Hey guys, what's up? It's been one year of these weekly videos. First and foremost, I want to tell you guys how, uh, how much I appreciate you guys watching, commenting, uh, doing all the things I asked you guys to do, interacting with me, giving me movie suggestions, doing the contest. I really appreciate it, sharing the videos, giving me likes, whatever you guys do, I really appreciate it. Even if you gave me a dislike, at least you, you gave me a view, right? I'm just kidding. But just want to say thank you guys very much for everything. I met some good people doing this, and I will continue to do it. Uh, this one is a little special. Screaming Toilet's going to put on a contest that ends May 31st. It'll probably be being shared everywhere. But this is actually a really cool contest this time. Uh, I wish I could enter it. But uh, what you will get is the first nine releases of the MVD Rewind Collection. Uh, this is not open to international people. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Uh, so it's only uh, United States uh, entries will be included. Uh, what you have to do is follow the link below in the description box. It's a contest uh, link. You'll see it. It'll be the first one up there. You click on it. It'll take you to this page. You'll put your email address in there, and that's all you have to do. And I will, annou I will announce the winner, or the winner will be announced May 31st or shortly thereafter. Uh, the last day to enter is May 31st. You also have to go to Facebook and like the MVD Rewind page. Uh, the titles include such great ones as Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, DOA, Lionheart with Van Damme, which awesome movie. Um, you also have Return to Swamp Thing, which is, uh, from what I understand, a really fun movie. I've never had a chance to see it, or it's been so long I don't remember it. So you get nine titles. Uh, they're not all released yet, but they will be by the time this ends. So uh, get your entries in as soon as possible. And uh, thank you very much for entering. Uh, you, you, when you put your email address, you will receive some emails, like just like advertising for movies and stuff that you'd probably be interested in anyways uh on to the second part uh the titles the picture will be right here you'll see it right here uh so if you want to see what titles there are and all the information will be below so just follow the links um also uh, i did a, a little poll online to kind of do something special for the next year going into it and uh it was uh, i was going to open possibly do three new segments or one of each or what one of these segments uh i did um the vhs i would take a vhs off my rack or maybe possibly a bootleg or something something that's not on dvd or blu-ray stateside and review it each week one title a week uh like a vhs or something like i'd grab like uh, a random movie off the shelf like nightlife 89 scott grimes or metal beast even though it has a uh, german dvd or something like that but i'd grab something like that like that and review it uh the second one was i would take a year and uh watch one horror movie from that year every week until I got to 52 and then at the end I would give a top 10 uh, and the last was to do random theme weeks occasionally, like a women in prison week, a black exploitation week, uh, a zombie week, and just have all the videos pertain to that certain uh, theme. Uh, I did the uh, online, like I said, I took the poll. It came uh, 10 and 7 and 7. So the winner is the VHS. So it looks like I'll be watching some uh, crummy quality movies that have not been released on DVD or Blu-ray. I do have a VHS rack over there, so hopefully that'll be cool. And I have a slew of shot on video movies that uh, I don't think have been released on DVD or, or Blu-ray. I guess why would they be, right? So uh, that, uh, we did that as well. So uh, that's the two things I wanted to uh, start this off with. I guess I'll hop into the reviews. And uh, this one's a little different. I got a lot of bundle packs, like a lot of stuff with multiple titles in it. So it's going to be a little longer, so uh, bear with me. Also, I could not print off uh, the, uh, the 
names because I'm, I'm out of ink. I forgot to buy some, so I wrote all these out. So I'll, I won't be looking at a piece of paper to read your questions off. But yeah, the first one I'll be reviewing is uh, Seijon Suzuki, um, The Early Years, Volume 2, Border Crossings, The Crime and Action Movies. Uh, I've not seen the first uh, box set that Arrow put out. I do have it. I have not had a chance to watch it. But this is five titles in here. Uh, please forgive me for reading off the titles. Uh, the Sleeping Beast Within, Smashing the O-Line, Eight Hours of Terror, The Man with the Shotgun, and Tokyo Nights. Uh, yeah, this uh, he's, he's, he's kind of like a working director at the time in the 60s. And uh, he made B-Pictures. And, uh, you know, I've not really seen many B-Pictures from Japan except, you know... More so like the Godzilla stuff. So these were kind of interesting to me. Three of them are in black and white and two are in color. Um, the first one I watched was The Sleeping Beast. And this involves a, a reporter who um, he's digging into the story. And uh, his girlfriend's sort of, uh, dad kind of disappears after he loses his job. And he starts to dig into his backstory. And he finds out uh, that this guy is involved in something that he shouldn't be involved with. It's kind of a morality tale. All these seem to be morality tales. And most of the time, the heroes of the story always do the right thing or come out on top or, you know, or come around eventually and do the right thing. And that, that's what happens in this one. But uh, it's kind of an interesting. It's, it's probably my least favorite of the bunch. It, it's interesting in the fact that um, it has this. Uh, uh, it it kind of paints uh, the society in Japan a little negative at points. Because it, it says this guy worked for this company for so long and they just basically write him off and don't give him any money and leave him no choice but to turn to a life of crime in a way. Uh, and it's called border crossings because that term was used kind of like how Japan wanted to appeal to a broader audience uh, and make it more exciting. Because at the time in the 60s, it was very hard to get a passport in Japan, according to the special features. It was very hard to leave Japan. So these border crossings kind of make this uh, international thing. They make it like an international kind of deal. So uh, they'll have like all these characters from America in there. They'll have drug trades, which is very rare in Japan at the time. So that's all interesting. The movie is short and uh, it's decent. And uh, the ending is pretty dark, actually. Uh, the second one here uh, that I'll be talking about is Smashing the O-Line. I'm going to this one. It's also black and white because it also involves reporters. And it shares uh, one of the, a couple of the same actors as well. Uh, this time, the lead from the first movie, he's kind of a villain in this one, a villain reporter, and he's going uh, neck and neck with this other reporter. They get involved trying to break the smashing the O-line, the heroin trade deal, and they end up on a ship, and they kind of are at each other's throats in a little way, and they have to work together. Uh, this one, I think, is a little bit better. It's a little bit more entertaining, a little bit more interesting, a little bit more fast-paced, and uh, has a little bit more characters, a little bit more going on. It feels a little bigger. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on those two because those ones don't interest me as much. The next one is Eight Hours of Terror. And this one is all on a train. Now, this one I really enjoy. It's black and white. It follows the story of all these people that have to get to, uh, I believe it's Tokyo in a rush. Uh, the train is uh, blocked by a landslide, so they decide to take this bus ride, which is very dangerous around cliffs. Meanwhile, a couple escaped prisoners are, uh, are running about in that area as well. So it's all this drama, all this turmoil, and you get all these weird individual characters and unique people with motives, and you learn more and more about them as the, the movie progresses and more and more crazy things happen to him. It's a pretty high drama stuff here. A lot of the characters are stereotypes, but uh, it paints a lot of characters that you think actually would exist, like horrible businessmen that just want to get there no matter at what cost. A suicidal woman who believes her baby has died. Of course, they run into the criminals here. It, it definitely, uh, the, the special features, the guy said, it's like the train to Busan of its time. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of something like Hitchhike too, with David Hess, where these guys get on the, shit, uh, on the train and kind of make them do what they want. But I do like it because 
does it and you know when these people are you know it's not like the worst of humanity shown here you know they do come around and they work together to solve problems and I kind of enjoyed that uh, again it has some dark things going on and people do die and uh, I think that it tackles some cool issues and uh, it, it, it you know crosses the line a little bit and shows some things and uh, you know it's a little bit progressive even if it is a B movie in short all these movies are short which I really appreciated because modern Japanese films seem to be very long a lot of times and especially in their horror movies I, I always ask myself why isn't this ended this should have ended three times when you take something like Evil Dead Trap that movie could have ended five or six times and it keeps going these ones are short B movies and I didn't really know they existed in Japan like this in this kind of term and these movies are kind of hard to see not many people have seen them so seeing them at like an hour and 20 minutes is great. It reminds me of like the universal horror pictures at the time or even like hammer pictures at the time, which I really liked. Um, the fourth one on here is the man with the shotgun. This is a straight up Western. So I enjoyed this one quite a bit. We have this guy who goes to this mining town or this small, like isolated mining town. And, uh, he, he's looking for something. He carries a shotgun with him and he is a, uh, this tough kind of gritty guy. He ends up starting to kind of work for the mill guy, he becomes the new sheriff because the sheriff is uh hurt in active duty. And he is looking for something. He has secrets. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much the plot of the movie without giving too much away. There's some shootouts. Uh, there's some twists here and uh, again it's a big morality tale where eventually the guy does come around what uh, surprised me when this one came on it was in color and it's the first color movie I saw by the guy and it, the colors really popped it lo really looked gorgeous uh, the locations are really nice um, the fighting is a uh, really well done and uh, it's all around fun um, and uh, you know the ending is one of these morality tales like I said and uh, the way they handled it I thought was pretty good for what it was and uh, I enjoyed that one and again, these all have little dark touches to them. And the final one, Tokyo Nights, uh, with a K. This one's pretty much a broad kind of farce. It's kind of silly until the very ending where it gets very serious. We have this kid who's good at everything. His father was uh, like he, uh, or involved with like kind of organized crime or ran this company who was involved with uh, their, their uh, main um, competition was organized crime. And uh, the father dies under uh, mysterious circumstances, doesn't sit well with the son. Uh, he had been studying school in America, which is crazy because he comes to Japan. He's great at everything. That's the first time that, uh, you know, the Japanese uh, have worse schools than the Americans now. Well, at least now. Maybe in the 60s it was different. But, um, yeah, so we have that going on. And he, this guy's great at everything. He's, and it becomes funny as all these teachers and, uh, and uh, like, a teacher who has uh, their music teacher. And he ends up be, uh, befriending the kids and they end up going gets the nun in the school there's that going on but then there's a storyline with the criminals and him you know finding all these things out and of course twist and his mom's new uh uh, squeeze is a little iffy and all sorts of things like that. It gets a little dark at the end. People die, which are kind of surprising. And all these movies, a couple of them actually have a lot of suicide in there, which is kind of strange to me as well. The special features, Smashing the O-Line has a commentary, which is uh, pretty informative. And then uh, also on the disc is, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but he does an interview and talks about all the movies, does a rundown and the history and stuff like that. Talks about Japan at the time, talks about the director a little bit. And he gives a brief synopsis, synopsis whatever it is, synopsis uh, of the movie and whatnot even if after you watched them so he you know he kind of refreshes you on the movies and talks about how they uh you know are important to the time and uh what they kind of reflect in japan at the time it's a nice release they looked good uh they sounded fairly good and they're kind of interesting movies i, I would recommend the man with the shotgun the most and probably eight hours of terror i think those are the most sound of the the bunch <laughs>
In Smashing the Zero Line, he plays a real rotter, a scoundrel with really no redeeming features at all, despite his rather pretty boy looks. Many vehicles are plunged to their doom off this mountain road because there's no adequate protection from the vast drop that uh, runs along one side of the road. Okay guys, Mill Creek sent this one over to review. It is the Charles Bronson 4 movie collection. That's right boys and girls, Bronson is back. Love love me some Charles Bronson. This has four movies on there. The Velocity Papers, uh, The Stone Killer, Hard Times, and Breakout. I will not be covering uh, Hard Times or Stone Killer in depth. Uh, I, I reviewed Stone Killer in episode 19, if you want to check that out. And I reviewed Hard Times in episode 24. Both uh, Hard Times is an excellent Walter Hill movie. Uh, the picture quality on this one isn't as good as the Eureka disc, uh, but it looks fairly solid. And uh, the whole thing, the whole package is $10. So if you like Hard Times, it's well worth picking up just for that. Uh, the stateside release from Twilight Time is quite expensive. Uh, the Stone Killer is a Michael Winner uh, movie. I think it's uh, the weakest collaboration between Winter and Bronson, but it's okay. It's solid. It's uh, Bronson as a crooked cop, has a nice cast, has some decent action. Um, and the uh, picture quality on that one I thought looked a little bit better. Uh, maybe not as uh, up to snuff with the um, indicator disc, but it looks all right. As far as Breakout is concerned, I know there's a German Blu-ray, but this is the first time it's ever been released in the States. And Velocity Papers, I believe, had a Twilight Time release, which is very expensive as well. So uh, let me hop into Breakout, which is a 75 movie with Charles Bronson. Robert Duvall, uh, who else is in this? Randy Quaid, which is great to see. And I believe there's a couple other people that pop in here that I, I think I can't register off the top of my head. But what we have here is um, Charles Bronson is hired by Jill Ireland, his real-life wife, to uh, break out her husband, Robert Duvall, who's in a Mexican prison. Uh, he was put there by his grandfather, John Houston. So Bronson has these crazy plans to break him out using a plane. And uh, the whole movie is basically Bronson trying to come up with ideas how to get Robert Duvall out of this Mexican prison. Uh, it's fairly uh, fun movie. It's got really good characters. Bronson's solid in it. I like this kind of character of Bronson in here. It's really cool to see Randy Quaid very young in here. And there's a couple moments of comedy where Randy Quaid tries to sneak in there dressed as a woman. But there's also some uh, decent action in here, car chases. And I believe it's Sherry North is also in this movie, and she's excellent in the movie. She plays a really, really kind of fun character. And there's a great gag of Bronson always trying to give away this check that's clearly going to bounce. And he's like, well, I got a $500 check right here. And he's just, he's kind of a con artist in it. And you don't really typically see Bronson in this kind of role but you know this working kind of class guy uh who's a little con artist but uh the end scene is really well done uh and uh, also Emiliano Fernandez is in this movie the Peckinpah regular from he's in Mapache and he's in Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia and Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid a famous uh Mexican director himself very intense guy so he uh, pops in as the warden in this movie which is really nice to see 
But yeah, it, it looks pretty good. It sounds pretty good. This is the first time I saw it. I really enjoyed this one. And it's rated PG, but there's nudity in it. And there's a horrifically gory scene involving a helicopter death, which really surprised me. Lots of people getting shot. This should not be PG. This is not a PG movie. The decision of this court, you are guilty as charged. This man is in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Only this man knows why. This woman wants her husband set free. Only this man can do it. Charles Bronson, Robert Duvall, Jill Ireland, John Huston. Breakout. The incredible story of the impossible escape. Breakout. Now playing. Check newspaper for a theater near you. Rated PG. But, uh... I think it's really worth picking up this, especially for this release. There's four titles in here. Like I said, Hard Times is a classic, Stone Killer's solid, and uh, you got uh, Breakout, which is great. As far as the Velocci papers are concerned, this is a two-hour and five-minute movie I didn't know much about, but it's based on a true story. Joe Velocci, he uh, was a mob informant. He uh, snitched out the mob after he received the kiss of death in prison. This is a prison movie. This is a mob movie. It goes over the whole life of this character, Joe Velocci, starting as a teenager all until an old man. Uh, this one is really interesting. Uh, Dino Rolantis uh, produced it, so you know it's crazy. Uh, this came out around the same time as The Godfather, but obviously it was probably kind of like, they say it was on the shirt tail of it, even though I think the theatrical release date was sooner, but I'm not sure. And, uh, yeah, but this, I, I was vastly impressed with this one. I know it's not The Godfather. Nothing is The Godfather. You can't compare movies like this to The God, any movie to The Godfather. But uh, I thought Charles Bronson did a, a legitimately good job. I thought that it set up a lot of characters over a history of time, and, uh, it goes over how the mob works in a lot of ways. And uh, this is PG again. There's nudity. There's a castration. There's hundreds of people being shot. I don't know why this is PG, to be brutally honest. But it should not be PG at all. But uh, Bronson does a really good role, like I said. Uh, I think it's a... You know, and uh, some emotion in here as well. Jill Ireland pops up again as his wife, his real-life wife in this one. She's also in Hard Times. So yeah, I was really uh, kind of blown away by the Vlachi papers. Riz Ortolani does a score uh, from Cannibal Holocaust and House on the Edge of the Park. Very famed uh, Italian uh, composer. So uh, yeah, it's a solid uh, drama prison crime movie that goes over the life of this guy named Joe Vlachi. It's based on a true story. They obviously took some liberties to it, but uh, it shows you, uh, you know, he was pretty loyal and then just that one thing kind of screwed him over. But uh, there's lots of cars. He's the driver. There's lots of chasing, stuff like that. But uh, good movie, lots of action, and I like the interactions between him and the guy he's uh, telling the whole story to and going back in flashbacks and whatnot. So that's pretty cool, too. And uh, it's always nice to see Bronson in like that cornered kind of situation where he just becomes an animal. But, uh, yeah, this is a nice set. Uh, they all look good. There's no features on there. Two movies on two discs. And uh, it's kind of like four little different Bronsons you get. You know, Bronson would kind of play this similar characters every time. You don't get a vigilante Bronson, but you get the crooked cop Bronson and the stone killer. You get the kind of everyday, like, working man who's super uh, clever and stuff like uh, the breakout. You get the uh, mobster Bronson and Velachi papers, and then you get the fighter Bronson in Hard Times. So this is a nice Bronson set. I think it's a good uh, array of uh, movies that he did. So uh, I think it's well worth it, especially for $10 right now. $10, that's $2.50 a movie. Well worth it. On Friday, September 27, 1963, Joe Valacci, member of the Vito Genovese family, was led before the Senate Investigating Committee of the United States of America. I said to him, who's this? He says, that's the guy you intended to hit. 
What did Giovalacci reveal about the secrets of the Cosa Nostra? Out of these incredible truths, Dino De Laurentiis has produced a film directed by Terence Young, an explosive picture soon to appear on movie screens the world over. Listen carefully. A hundred thousand dollars for Giovalacci. I'll kill this skinny bastard, so help me God. I'll join my city or leave. No peace. It isn't fiction. It's ruthless reality that still explodes in headlines. Jeez, Bender, you missed one. Così morirò. This is the way I will die. If I betray the secret of the Cosa Nostra. Only here, in New York, will be different. Because we are so many, we'll be five families. What about Maria, my kid, huh? Wherever she wants to go, I give you my personal guarantee that she will get there safely with a new name, a new passport, and enough money for the rest of her life. A film that dares expose the behind the scenes of organized crime. A terrifying indictment. A chilling accusation. A documented drama of real events. You die by the knife and the gun. from life and male children. Crime is a question of criminals. It is not a matter of race, color, or religion, said Robert Kennedy when Attorney General of the United States. Il bacio del morte. This is the family tree of the Cosa Nostra. The next one here is another Mill Creek pack. Yeah, Mill Creek pack. It is uh, 80s Overdrive. This is a six movie collection. And I'm going to be honest, I watched all of them except Perfect. With uh, John Travolta and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Not my thing. Tried to watch it. Just not going to do it. Not for me. But we have The Legend of Billie Jean, Little Nikita, Hard Body, Spring Break, Spring Break, Perfect, and Private Resort. I'll start with The Legend of Billie Jean. It's an 80s kind of like cult classic. I had never seen it. But uh, The Legend of Billie Jean. Yeah, uh, what's uh, the main actress's name in here? Uh, it's uh, Helen Slater. But also Christian Slater's in here. No relation. Keith Gordon's also in here. And uh, Peter Coyote from uh, Southern Comfort. <laughs> but uh yeah i was really happy with this one it's basically follows these kind of like uh texas kind of i, I don't want to be derogatory but kind of like lower income i guess you would say you know like uh white trash in this kind of sense or trailer park trash and is what they would call them or some of the more bad characters in the movie would call that these people this but christian slater and her play brother and sister and um 
they uh, beat up Christian Slater and ruin his bike. Uh, Billie Jean goes to the guy's father to get the money, and he tries to be a pervert, and uh, through a bunch of mishaps, they end up running. It's a road movie. They escape. They're accused of all these crimes, and she becomes this big media sensation, and uh, everybody wants to be Billie Jean, and she's evading the cops, and Peter Coyote's a sympathetic cop. Think Thelma Louise style. You know how Harvey Keitel was that kind of sympathetic cop, but uh, it's just fun. And they run into Keith Gordon, and Keith Gordon is this strange kind of introverted, uh, I guess he's not introverted, but he's a strange guy, and uh, becomes friends with him, and everyone loves Billy Jean, and uh, Christian Slater's super young in this movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. It has this nice little woman power thing going on in here. Caroline Williams has a tiny role in her that stretched from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. This one's just really fun, has a lot of style, uh, looks very 80s, and the villain in it is tremendous. He's such a, a greasy, greasy, horrible person. He, he's so funny in it. Can't think of the actor's name, but he's in a bunch of stuff. But a lot of fun. Looks good. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I would recommend Legend of Billie Jean. I was really happy with it. Being sulking will not get you that bike back. Spent all that money, and now here you are, brokenhearted. It wasn't his fault. Fault doesn't matter. It's what you end up with that matters. Remember what happened to your daddy? Oh, Mom, come on. Oh, you love to go fast, just like you. I'm relieved that darn bike is gone. Are you need those? Oh, it's him. Where's my pumps? What time are you coming home? Late, I hope. You think this one will be different, Billie Jean? Oh, he looks nice. Now let him see your eyes. Oh. You got pretty eyes. that bike you better not even scratch it what did I tell you I'm getting my bike back Little Nikita. This one's directed by Richard Benjamin, the actor, but it also has Richard Jenkins in it and Richard Lynch in it, Cindy Potier. So uh, River Phoenix, it's got a nice little cast going on here. And it also has the villain from the last one plays a Russian in this one. Uh, the villain from Billie Jean plays a Russian in this one. So this guy's got a broad, uh, you know, uh, you know, broad uh, acting uh, palette. So uh, yeah, this one is uh, kind of like a you know, a uh, communist kind of spy uh, movie. Um, Richard uh, Jenkins and his wife are undercover Russian spies that have been sleepers or the sleeper spies for years. 
And uh, Richard Lynch is this crazy assassin who's picking off the sleepers to get money from the big uh, Russian, uh, you know, KBG guy. Cindy Pottier is an agent that wants Richard Lynch because he killed his partner. Cindy Pottier moves in close to River Phoenix's family. River Phoenix doesn't know his parents are these Russian sleepers. And so it gets complicated. Cindy Pottier starts to feel bad for the family, especially River Phoenix, but he really wants to catch Richard Lynch. Well, meanwhile, the big KBG guy is trying to catch Richard Lynch as well. So it's Richard Lynch killing people, them trying to catch Richard Lynch. And that's the plot of the movie. There's good amounts of suspense. There's a great moment in the theater that uh, Richard Jenkins is always tremendous. The lady who plays his wife is tremendous. Um, and uh, they're just completely different people at this point. It, it does kind of be sympathetic, I guess, towards people that don't, you know, that uh, escape Russia as spies and hadn't been spies in years. But uh, Richard Lynch is creepy as always. It's kind of funny to see Cindy Pottier try to be a regular guy because he is so, like, obviously, like, you could tell classically trained and such a highbrow individual, highly intelligent, that him drinking beer and eating tortilla chips and trying to play basketball with River Phoenix, you're just like, I don't know about that. He's a great actor and he's a great character, but he just seems so... Um, important and then when i see him doing this stuff it kind of just makes me chuckle it's a decent movie uh it has decent suspense uh and it's fairly fairly family oriented for what it is what do you think sorry corporal hogan oh her yeah yeah she was uh very nice Yes, very nice. Sometimes I slip up and call her Corporal Hogan's. <laughs> Roy Howjap, Air Force Reserve Liaison. I'll be conducting your academy interview. You've got a wet palm there, son. What's the matter? Nervous? Yeah, I'm nervous. What are you nervous about? I don't know. I, I want to pass. It's nothing to pass. This isn't a test. Relax. Be yourself. nervous, aren't you? Why? Because you told me to be myself. Whenever people tell me to be myself, I don't know what to do. How come? Because I don't know what myself is. Oh, the next one. Hard Bodies. I'd never seen Hard Bodies, believe it or not. But, uh, yeah, it stars the guy from Killer Clouds from Outer Space in here. And it also has Courtney Gaines in it. And you'll look really close. You'll see Kane Hodder as one of the bozos that keep crashing parties. So that's really nice to see that. But uh, Hard Bodies, it's, you know, an 80s sex comedy. It's completely politically incorrect. Um, very trashy. Uh, very rapey. Not as rapey as Revenge of the Nerds, but rapey. There's plenty of nudity. Plenty of, plenty of stupid jokes. Um, and if you can leave your brain at the door and... Uh, know what you're getting yourself into. Don't use this as a, a guide to pick up chicks, guys. Anybody that ever did that's a moron. These are, these are sex comedies. You should know better. Everybody should know these are just movies. But yeah, it's fun. It's silly. Uh, and these, basically the plot of this one is these three kind of rich guys that come from businesses want to rent out this uh, this flat in Florida and pick up and uh, as many girls as they can and sleep with them. They hire this guy who's basically the king of the beach to do it. Uh, yeah, and of course drama ensues. Uh, like I said, there's plenty of nudity in here, plenty of TNA, plenty of jokes. Uh, one of the characters that really stands out to me is uh, the Texan. 
he reminds me of like a, a poor man's worn out and I really enjoy him. He actually is one of the only moral compasses in the movie and he seems to do the right thing most of the time. There's a real creepy Italian guy in here who's just complete sleazeball, horrible guy. But uh, this one I had fun with. I thought it looked good and sounded fairly decent as well. Hard Bodies, uh, it's entertaining. It's it's not going to win any Academy Awards and uh, if you like sex comedies, I would check this one out. I had a lot of fun with it. Columbia Pictures proudly presents a minor motion picture event. A film with absolutely no redeeming social value whatsoever. A film that has won not five, not three, but absolutely no Academy Award nominations. A film that luminaries like Bergman, Fellini, Spielberg, and Lucas had absolutely nothing to do with. A film that every critic in America has unanimously hailed as a motion picture. This is Hard Bodies. The film that will teach you important new words like hard bodies means perfect little foxes down on the beach. BBD. It's a bigger and better deal. And wuss. Yeah, she said we got a lot more class than an immature boy like you. Oh man, that wuss. That wuss. It will answer important questions. When it became a romance. You want romance? Read a novel. You want me? I'm upstairs. Expand your language skills. My friend Rag here is multilingual. He's flipping you off in 48 languages. Explore the wonders of nature. Look at these hamstrings, these gluteus maximus. This is the body of the 80s. To travel where no man has gone before. Uh, Private Resort has Johnny Depp, and I can't think of the other actor right now off the top of my head, but it also, uh, Johnny Depp and his friend are uh, at this private resort. This one's kind of silly, even goofier, uh, very, very uh, zany kind of humor. Hector Elizondo is in it as well, and he plays this guy who's supposed to steal this diamond, and of course, uh, Johnny Depp and his buddy get in the way and screw him over. This one's oversexed as well. Not particularly great, but if you could shut your brain off, you should have a decent enough time. You put your money in the other drawer. Bob is a strange kid. Strange, but he's, he's nice. He's all right. You know, kids these days. I don't understand. Just, uh... Hey, these kids these days. Oh. Yeah, I just... What a day, huh? This is crazy. Sorry. How could you do this to me? Who's this guy? Good afternoon, sir. My name is Jacques. Would you like a manicure? Yep, man, no. Can I see them? No, yeah, here's a tip for both of you. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much, sir. That's all right. Go ahead, kid. Thanks a lot. No, don't. It's not dry. No, don't worry about it. It's fine. Is something wrong, sir? The other one, uh, Spring Break, is a Sean Cunningham movie. Uh, this one's... Best thing about it is it has Richard Scholl in it from Cockfighter. And uh, so that's that's my favorite part. He's great in it. He plays this sleazy guy who wants to get this hotel closed down. But this is the hotel that all the kids go to for spring break and have fun at. They don't want to close down. We have uh, this guy who wants to escape his, you know, kind of uh, the, the iron grip of his senator or uh, polit- political father. And he runs a spring break with his friend. They meet these couple other guys. And uh, they have the time of their life. They all fall in love. They all, and then the one falls in love. They all have parties. 
it's uh, pretty standard. Uh, the picture quality looks a little bit more gritty than the other ones. I think that's just how the movie was shot, maybe a little more low budget. And it, it feels like a Sean Cunningham movie, if that makes sense to anybody. If anybody's ever seen New Kids or Friday the 13th, it, it, feel, it looks like that kind of look. Uh, Harry Manfredini does the score, so you'll recognize the guy who did the Friday 13th scores doing the score in a sex comedy. This one is the weakest of the sex comedies, probably. It's, uh, it, it just, it feels a little bit more grimy, even if it is less, uh, over sex. It just feels more, a little bit more raw, I guess. Um, maybe it's not my least favorite. This and Private Resort are probably on the same level. Uh, if you like sex comedies, I'd check it out. Otherwise, I would probably pass on it. But I would say I would really recommend Legend of Billie Jean and Hard Bodies are, are my favorites. Little Nikita is a good movie as well. But it's a nice set. You can get it for $15 right now. But uh, that's the Mill Creek, uh, you know, 80s overdrive. Nelson, wherever you look, skin, skin, skin. Uh, spring break in Fort Lauderdale. 250,000 kids here for the sole purpose of partying. <laughs> Nelson Delby and Adam Stern are about to get the break of their lives. Spring break. For some, it's the start of a whole new education. For others, it's a more advanced course. You can learn a foreign language. Or expand your present one. You can learn martial arts. Home economics. And guides for your protection. Culinary arts. And all sorts of sports. There's something for those into the performing arts. Okay, the next one I watched on Netflix. It's a Mickey Keating movie. I had not seen it yet. It was Darling with uh, Lauren Ashley Carter, I believe. Lauren Ashley Carter's in a bunch of good stuff. Jug face, uh, pod. She's great. And uh, she's one of these actresses that has such a, a unique look, these big, expressive eyes. And uh, Darling, this is uh, uh, made in, I believe, 2015 or 14, but I had not seen it. It's a very short movie, an hour and 16 minutes, uh, black and white, uh, psychological horror movie. It follows uh, Lauren Ashley Carter as she's supposed to be this housekeeper of this uh, big kind of a beautiful location that has a haunted history. And that's pretty much the gist of it. She immediately starts to hear things. She starts to see things. And right off the bat, you know, she has such an expressive face and her eyes are big and cold and dead. And you just know something's wrong with her. Right off the bat, something's wrong with her. And as it progresses, you learn it's broken up in chapters and she gets more and more strange. And she has some haunted history, haunted past. And it seems like she can't keep her timeline straight in her head. And uh, what this movie is very good at is showing scenes, especially in the beginning, uh, and shooting them the right way and using sound design and, uh, you know, all sound design, all lighting, all the camera work and stuff like that. And, of course, her acting skills to make this a horror movie for the first 20, 25 minutes just by doing things like that, you know, it makes it a horror movie. And eventually it becomes a pretty horrific horror movie. Uh, there's some gore in here, which kind of surprised me. And uh, it, it's just a, a crazy movie. Uh, a solid, well-made movie about, uh, you know, psychological, psychologically damaged person who may be going crazy due to her environment or her, uh, 
brain or both. Um, so yeah, that's what's going on in this one. Um, if it weren't for Lauren Ashley Carter, this movie wouldn't be particularly good. It, it, I mean, unless it had another good actress as equally good as her, but she's tremendous in this movie. And she's one that I always keep my eye out for when I see her in a movie. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to check this out because I've always been vastly impressed with her performance. And this one, I was vastly impressed with her performance. Uh, it's a, it's a shame. There's no Blu-ray in the States. I've been waiting for to pick it up, to get a Blu-ray here, but there isn't one because it, it's a gorgeous looking movie. There's lots of shots at a city. It's black and white. And, uh, there's lots of crazy moments in the movie. I, I would recommend checking it out, especially if it's on Netflix, it's kind of a quickie review. Cause I don't have any features to talk about and uh it's kind of just a straightforward thing it's something that you would feel better about experiencing yourself the more i talk about it the less you want to see it is it true what they say about this place oh old ghost stories but the caretaker threw herself off the upstairs balcony Ma'am, there's one room that I can't get into. Don't concern yourself with that room, dear. Am I clear? Yes, ma'am. Waiting for anybody? I was waiting for you. They have got to tell you this kind of thing before you move in, right? That it's haunted? It's true. guys the next one is terrifier yep that's it that's the feature length art the clown movie i had not seen the short terrifier i had not seen all the hollows eve i know i know everybody tells me they're great but uh terrifier this is uh what is this uh this is the dread central presents line this is the it says it's the second but i think it's the actual first dvd blu-ray released uh i'm excited to talk about it i'm excited for this line but uh terrifier yeah it follows this character art the clown uh, these two girls on Halloween night, they bump into this horrifically violent clown and who's absolutely insane, and he follows them around trying to kill them and anyone else that gets involved. Very straightforward. Uh, it's just a slasher movie, but it's well done. It has a great villain who's creepy and gross and unique and memorable. It doesn't constantly wink at the camera and say, hey, don't slashers suck, or hey, we get." they don't constantly wink at the, the audience or the camera. They know what they're doing, they know what slashers are, and they seem to love them, and they want to go out and make a genuine one without winking at the camera. That's okay sometimes, but it gets old. It gets very old. And this one feels like a legit slasher, especially for the time. So it was kind of just refreshing to see a slasher movie. It's pretty mean-spirited. Uh, generally some really crazy moments. And there's one set piece in this movie, one of the kills that uh, my jaw dropped. I never seen anybody 
I'll just say I've never seen anybody get split in half like that in a movie. It, it goes X-rated for a couple seconds. Uh, the deaths in the movie are, are mean-spirited. They're gory. They're bloody. They're nasty. Art the Clown's facial expressions are great. Um, he reminds me of like a, a very, very demented early like Freddy Krueger, how he was scary, but yet sometimes just a little funny in like the first movie, maybe even the first two. But, uh, you know, Art the Clown. As a memorable character, like I said, uh, the kills are great. Uh, it kind of pulls a fast one on you, which is kind of surprising at, at, at moments here, which kind of threw me for a loop uh, because, uh, you know, you expect somebody to make me, maybe make it a little bit longer. Or And uh, Art the Clown is a character that uh, he doesn't play fair. I mean, he's got always got tricks up his sleeve. Uh, some of the characters are a little obnoxious, but for the most part, a lot of them I liked. I didn't want to see any of these people die. I don't think they deserve to die. They kind of poke fun at uh, the internet, the culture with the Instagram stuff here and there. But uh, yeah, it, it's fast-paced. It delivers a decent amount of kills. Uh, the ending is insane. I love the corner at the end. Uh, one of his lines, all he says is, "Is like, don't you ever get, some guy says, don't you ever get sick of this stuff? He says, when you see a lady baby, uh, microwave a baby, everything becomes pretty much the same or something like that along those lines. Uh, oh, but yeah, it's just a... Uh, oh, a nasty, mean-spirited slasher with a good amount of gore, good amount of suspense. It does everything right. Is it the best movie ever made? No. But was Friday 13th 3 the best movie ever made? You know it wasn't. You just love it. And I, I really enjoy Terrifier. It's good stuff. It's uh, really really something I would, I would want to see a sequel. I'm going to go watch the short, and I'm going to watch All Hallows' Eve eventually. But uh, I like it. Good stuff, man. Bravo. It has a commentary on here, which I enjoy listening to. Um... They talk about you know making of the movie on here, and then there's uh you know a ten minute some interviews with the actresses and actors and whatnot. Uh, you know they seem like cool guys. Uh, I think they're Jersey guys, uh, and it feels like a Jersey movie too. A lot of the characters talk like they're from Jersey or that area, but uh, cool movie. I, I really like what they're doing here. And uh, Rob Gluzo from uh, Shockwaves is actually picking the titles out, so you know I might not love everything he picks, but I know that he's not going to pick bad movies. You know everything will be solid to good. I think. So, yeah, check out uh, the Dread Central Presents and check out Terrifier. What's wrong? I'm fine. Why? Keep looking over your shoulder. What if that guy did this to your car? <laughs> what guy? The clown? You really think someone slashed my tires? Well, he knows this is your car. He saw us getting into it earlier. That guy was harmless. He was just some douchebag in a costume acting like a retard because it's Halloween. Until the police arrive. 
The next one here is... Oh, I, I kind of gave it away there. It's the Weekly Western, guys. Let's go. Why not? Fill your hand, you son of a bitch! Say when. It reunites William Holden and Ernest Borgnine from uh, The Wild Bunch. Also has Woody Strode in it. So, yeah, this one's great. This is definitely up my alley. Uh, This is a a ragtag group of guys going on a suicide mission type movie. I love that stuff. That's definitely my thing. This one, you know, this one, it feels like six movies in one at some times. William Holden, um, his family is massacred by a a group of... uh, Comanches and a couple guys leading them, arms dealers, and uh, they steal his horses. And uh, William Holden's not going to sit right there; he has to get revenge. And it starts off like the Searchers. Uh, William Holden actually feels like an evil John Wayne in this movie. That's the best way I can explain him. But it starts out like the Searchers, and uh, instead of him getting like a posse and him working with like a lone survivor and going in or a lone family member semi and tracking these people down, he has a better idea. He doesn't want to just take uh, you know friends or other people that don't want to go in there. He rents out these miners from this Mexican labor labor prison, and uh, he tells them that he's going to hire them for the miners. But he breaks them out and gives them guns, gives them money, and tells them. On your word, guys, I know you're criminals, but uh, we give me a word that you'll help me take care of this uh, this guy and his gang. And basically, that's what happens here. The ra- uh, Dirty Dozen similar story. It's like the searchers meets the Dirty Dozen, uh, if that makes any sense. But it does have like a uh, William Holden's character is constantly fighting with his morality, um, and he starts off as this you know this rancher you know this good-hearted nature good-natured rancher with a loving family and everything's great for him, and he becomes this monster, which I love seeing. 
And uh, basically, the team is filled up with uh, uh, Ernest Borgnine, who's a con man, uh, a French guy who's constantly trying to have sex with every woman that goes by, a crazy German, uh, Woody Strode is a freed slave, um, a crazy young assassin kid, and then uh, a guy who has like this a lot of political ideology, and he's like a translator. So that's basically his team. They're all crazy. They're all ragtag. They're all different, and uh, they form this unlikely relationship, I guess. Uh, I like. Every single character in the movie. I love the team. I love the uh, the eventual uh, friendships that they form. And uh, their dialogue's great. Um, there's some weird scenes in here where time passes uh, at a time when they track this guy similar to the searchers over over years. And they'll do ADR and they'll show them through the snow. Kind of strange there. And there's points when the movie completely stops for uh, William Holden to have this, uh, this kind of a love relationship where he can find his soul again. But one of the best moments in this movie is when uh, this is years after William Holden's family had died and he's still trying to find this guy and all of them, him and his gang are sitting there on this uh, saloon. They're getting drunk and a sheriff that knew him from years ago, a friend of his, um, he sees him. He's like, is that so-and-so? And he's going to walk up and this, this, uh, these, uh, I guess they're uh, horse thieves or somebody ride through town uh, going crazy and Holden and his gang just waste him like that at a snap violently and they enjoy it. And they're all laughing, drinking beer and everything like that. And the sheriff comes up to him and says, your family wouldn't even recognize you. Your son would run away from you if he saw you like this. And Holden just kind of like over his face, he realizes, you know, he's pretty much lost his soul, lost himself. Um, and that plays into the ending of this movie. And the ending of this movie, I think, is kind of strange, kind of kind of bizarre. And uh, I, I'm not sure how I felt about it. You know, I, I didn't necessarily want it to go in that kind of a moral dilemma, but it makes sense how the movie was set up for it, too. I, I I think I would like this better on a, a, a repeated viewing. I did really like it, though. I think that there's tremendous performances in this movie. Um, I think that they're some of the best I've seen, to be honest. Uh, really great stuff. Uh, the disc doesn't have any features on it, but uh, Borgnine is hilarious in this one. Holden does a, a tremendous performance. Every single actor and character in this movie is great. They're top-notch. Really good stuff. I would really recommend checking it out. Again, it's PG, 1972, same year as Velocity Papers. Shouldn't have been PG. There's violence in here. Uh, lots of people getting shot. I don't know why I become the ratings board, but I'm just watching this stuff and seeing movies that I saw get R that are not as hard as this. Uh, and there's a scene where somebody he loves is hanging upside down, and you see it from the back, and blood is just dripping down and holding his face. And I'm just like, man, that is an R, man. That's pretty hard stuff for, for somebody to PG general audience. But really great movie. Really loved it. I think that anybody that likes Western should really check this one out. Uh, Holden does a great job. Borgnine does a great job. Woody Strode does a great job. Everybody does a great job. Great characters. Great movie. Someday. Without my horses, I can't get to where I'm going. We'd better just shoot it out right now. They stole his horses, murdered his family. They made him hate. And hate can turn a man into a monster. What the hell are you doing? William Holden. Where are they going to trade the horses? Susan Hayward in her last film appearance. The Avengers, 10.35 a.m. Eastern on the Superstation, Sunday. Deserves got nothing to do with it. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The next one is the pick of the week. Christopher Dallier picked Santa Sangre by Alejandro Jordorowski. Made in 1989. This is the seven release. I'd never seen this. 
I watched El Topo, loved it. Not seen Santa Sangre. Had it for years. Uh, translates to Holy Blood, I believe. This is a wild movie. I don't... Um, the guy from Occult Epics, I reviewed Moonchild uh, last week or talked about it, and he said, you don't review Moonchild, you experience it. And I think he's right. You know, it's hard. Sometimes you're lost for words. But Santa Sangre is an experience. It definitely is an experience. It is, uh, all, all Jodorowsky's movies feel that way from what I've seen, the couple I've seen. They're experiences. There's nothing else like them. Jodorowsky puts a lot into his movies. Um, this involves a young boy who uh, he, he works at the circus. His, his dad works at the circus. His mom works at the circus. His mom is almost like this also. She's like this religious leader. She worships this saint who had both of her arms cut off. She's not a real saint. And that plays into the opening of the movie, which is insane, which involves this uh, religious figure coming down and seeing what they have in their church and saying, this is, this is blasphemy. And that's a brilliant scene. But... The, the story here, it, it jumps around in time. We have this young man who's in an insane asylum. And uh, I don't want to spoil necessarily what happens, but some tragedy happens to him at a very young age, and he's constantly haunted by it. And uh, he, he goes with his mother, and his mother manipulates him to do horrible things. Uh, this is uh, you know one of those uh, uh, limb, limb movies where the limbs are doing the killing. Um, it points, it feels like Dario Argento, especially in one of the murder scenes. Um, it's definitely a Dario Argento inspired murder scene at points, plot points. It feels like a Hitchcock movie. So it has all these elements in there. It has the circus element in there, which I love. And there's these beautiful, brilliant moments that just are so amazing that just bring these almost tears to your eyes are so powerful. There's this moment where he's in the insane asylum and, uh, he's with all these people with down syndrome and, uh, they just, uh, it's just how they they show them all and how they're walking and everything. It's just a brilliant scene. It's just so powerful. There's a scene with this elephant uh, where it's dying, and uh, it later goes back to that elephant when he, he like has a flash of him uh, laying on the ground, like on his hands and knees, like the elephant was with blood coming out of his nose. Like, and earlier it was it was coming out of the elephant's trunk. It's like these reoccurring things popping up. And uh, he was in love with this mime. This girl who is, who is deaf, she was a mute, and she she painted her face like a mime. I don't know if she's necessarily a mime. Well, I guess she was. But uh, and, and progresses, and, and later on, he paints the faces of these dead bodies white, just like the mime. Mime. So there's lots of things going in here into this movie. He's a lot like his father in ways, and uh, it's just a, he's a bizarre character. Truly great performance, brave performance. Everybody in this movie does an amazing performance. There's horrific moments of violence that is just appalling at times um it's beautiful looking it has everything going for it it's almost perfect to be honest and i think if i watched it again i think i would come in at a almost perfect rating on it but uh just really really enjoyed the movie uh lots of symbolism going on and uh when i watched the features it opened it up the movie and made me think about it even more jodorowsky is one of these guys and the interview with him it was beautiful it's hard to like respect directors that only go out for money. Even like, I know Roger Corman makes movies and he wants to make money, but that's not the only reason he's making mo money. I mean, movies. He wants them to be entertaining. He wants them to be good at the same time. There's a lot of directors out there who just, or filmmakers out there who just want money. That's all they care about. And I can't really get into those guys. Jodorowsky says, I never made money off any of my movies. If I was doing this as a business, I wouldn't do it. And, and, and I feel that way about a lot of directors. Like Sam Peckinpah, I don't think he's out there to make money, just to make money. He's something to say. And that's what Jodorowsky said. He said, when they told me the elephant coffin was $1,000, I paid it. I paid it. And it just gives this brilliant thing at the end when he's talking about it. And it's really heartfelt. Um, 
Also, the way this movie got made is crazy, too. It's not his script, but he wanted to make this movie because uh, he met this serial killer in, this, uh, in a coffee shop, and he approached him, a mass murderer. He didn't know who he was at first. He said, I love your column, because he was doing a column at the time. And he said, can I have coffee with you? Sure. He says, who are you? And he, says, he gives him the name of this killer, and he says, that's not possible. You're a mass murderer. And then he tells him the story about he went to a sane asylum, he was sick at the time, and now he's not sick, and he doesn't remember anything. And he thought that was just such an interesting concept, and he goes through it, and uh, it shows a lot in this movie what's happening. But uh, really beautiful-looking movie, really great, lots of stuff going on. Uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing movie, to be honest. Santa Sangre. Uh, thanks, Christopher Dallier, for uh, picking it for me to review. I, I wanted to watch it for years, but you just finally gave me that final push. guys here's the pick a movie uh christopher dollier won last time too he won two in a row and he picked another jordorowski endless poetry which i actually picked up let's see what we got we have a lot of names in a hat like i said if you want to enter this go to the screaming toilet leave a comment or leave a comment on the youtube uh who's it gonna be i just keep throwing the names like if you didn't get drawn and you entered i throw you back in the hat so that way your name will eventually get pulled uh soren v prang I don't think you've ever won one, so uh, I don't know if I know you on Facebook or whatnot, but uh, hit me up as soon as you see it. I'll leave that one out, and I'll just throw the next, the new entries in that bag. But uh, yeah, congrats. Uh, get to me, and I'll review what you want ASAP. Let me get into the questions here. Matt Brown, what top three films would you like to see Vinegar Syndrome, Arrow, Scream Factory release? I know that's a tough question. So many titles come to mind. Uh, Oh, boy. I'd like to see Vinegar Syndrome tackle something like Nightlife, like I mentioned. They work best. Or On Mass Part 25, The Brain. They would do great with stuff like that, I think, because they give respect to everything. Arrow, I, th I think, would be a great place for Dawn of the Dead and Martin 
and uh you know dead alive like you mentioned i believe you did bad taste meet the feebles i'd love to see him do that stuff and scream factory scream factory you know uh i always want to see maybe blood games but i never got a chance i think scream they're really tight with mgm or close to so that would be nice to see that but those are some of the titles i'd really like to see come out a trick-or-treat too i think scream would do a good on trick-or-treat that seems like one they would release john wilhelm if you were to act in a buddy cop movie with an animal for a partner what animal would it be I think I would want a spider monkey in my movie. None of that orangutan business. Uh, you know what I would pick? I would honestly pick a rhino. A rhino would mess some stuff up. But I wouldn't want to act next to a rhino because it's probably very dangerous. But a rhinoceros it is. Nick, can a woman play a central part in a western? Uh, always like uh, always like Quick and the Dead? I don't know always, but yeah, I mean, anybody can play anything. You don't always need a woman or a man in a movie to make a movie, but yeah, I think so. I love the Quick and the Dead. If you had the money, would you direct a Western, and would you who would you cast? I would cast, uh, ooh, that's a tough one. There's a lot of my favorite actors are pretty much dead, so I'd have to sit down and look at the big book of character actors. I'd probably cast mostly character actors, to be honest. Um, what would you got? Favorite James Duvall movie? Um... My favorite James Duvall movie is going to be Nowhere or Sushi Girl. James Grimmer, what do you look for when supporting movies made by local filmmakers? Ooh, um, that's a tough one. Uh, are their movies good? And do they care? That's about it. Uh, let's hop into the um, update. All right, guys. We're going to hop into the update. What we got here? We got uh, Endless Poetry by Alejandro Jodorowsky. This was the movie that was picked to me to review next week. So, yeah. Don't know much about it, but uh, it's got to be good from what I would understand. Not disappointing me yet. You got one from uh, Code Red, Dune Warriors. With uh, This is by uh, the guy who did Striker and uh, Silk, which I don't have, but a bunch of other ones too. This has uh, David Carradine in it. I guess this is an extended version of it, but uh, yeah. Post-apocalyptic movie. Looks fun. And we have an import here. I believe this is from Germany. And I believe it is English friendly. Uh, it is in English and Greek. I don't know if there's English subtitles though. This is Singapore Sling. I've never seen this one. I have the Synapse DVD. So if it isn't, I guess I'm, I can watch that one. But uh, it was a good price on this. So I grabbed it. Uh, Greek movie. Um, it was also in that documentary that was on the disc. Uh, uh, the Mondo Macabre disc. I can't think of what it was called now. Strangers in a Strange strange place we have uh the last tango in paris uh i saw that eight the chosen one had this and i didn't know this was on blu-ray uh always wanted to see it heard crazy things about it so yeah marlon brando we have the violent professionals this is another code red one uh italian what is that polizio tensa otessia let me miss butcher that word for you guys yeah but italian crime film so, yep, not seen that one. Maybe I have. Who did that one? Oh, it's directed by Sergio Martino, so that's cool. We have some DVDs here. A little wide for you. We have Cannonball from Blue Underground. David Carradine again. This one's already used copy. So, not very expensive, so I grabbed it. I think it was like five bucks shipped or something like that. Some some cheap thing. It didn't cost me much. I wanted to check it out. Then we have uh, Sergio Diabata. I'm not doing it, guys. I'm not going to embarrass myself that bad. But this is uh, from Adrian Garcia Balagano, who did Late Phases and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, Cold Sweat. 
I uh, heard about this one of the 22 shots of moods and horror. I, I would have probably seen it if it was a Blu-ray, but I, I, I don't try to buy as many DVDs because I don't want to double dip. But uh, they had a lot of good things to say about this, and it was it made the top 10 of that year for them. So, yeah, I grabbed it. Then we have last, uh, but not least, the pre-apocalyptic collection, Probability Zero and Sullivan's Marauders. Uh, I guess that uh, Dario Argento wrote on both these movies. Uh, what is that? Probability Zero is Henry Silva in it, and Sullivan's Marauders has Lee Van Cleef in it. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Got this from the Code, Code Red cartel, although it is on uh, Hamilton Books fairly cheaper. I just made a mistake. But uh, I appreciate you guys uh, watching, and back to the video. Thank you guys very much for watching, and as always, you guys have a good one.